Welcome to this edition of Respond to Resilience. I'm David Dashinger, along with my co-host, Bonnie Rumley. We invite you to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Respond to Resilience. We're also on Facebook, Respond to Wellness, Inc., upsradio.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website is respondertv.com. On this edition, we'll be speaking with Pete Elstey, police officer, about peer support, first responders asking for help, first responder health and wellness, and Pete's own story of addiction right after this. In this family, more of us die by our own hands than by the hazards of the job. In this family, up to a quarter of 911 dispatchers have symptoms of PTSD. In this family, our mental health and wellness are in crisis while responders are quietly suffering. In this family, many struggle with job-related stress, burnout, trauma, sleep disruption, substance abuse, and marriage problems. In this family, we can help the helpers with vital information and resources, resilient strategies, and success stories of overcoming the obstacles. In this family, no one is alone. Welcome to Respond to Resilience with co-hosts, retired Lieutenant David Dashinger, Dr. Stacy Raymond, and Bonnie Rumley, LCSW EMTB. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Peter Elstey, who's been a police officer for 21 years. Pete started his career working four years with the NYPD 73rd Precinct in Brownsville, Brooklyn. And during his short time with NYPD, he was part of the Street Narcotics Unit and Community Conditions Unit. He's currently serving with the Danbury Police Department, where he is a field training officer, crisis intervention team coordinator, and a member of the Emergency Services Unit and peer support team. Pete also serves on the executive board of Responder Wellness, Inc., a nonprofit organization that works to support first responders in the state of Connecticut. Pete, welcome. How you doing? Thanks for joining us, Pete. Um, David gave a good intro there, but I wanted to have you elaborate a little bit on the special trainings that you hold within your department. Well, been with the department for 19 years and, um, you know, became a field training officer, you know, taking on the new guys that come in, showing them the way, the way that we do it in Danbury when you come out of the academy. Um, it was always a passion of mine to go into emergency service unit or SWAT team down in New York City. So when I came up to Danbury, you know, I trained, I got tested and, you know, became, was on that team for like 10, 10 years. Um, so, and then I, I started getting into uh, crisis work, um, connecting with people out there in the, you know, in the city of Danbury. And someone thought that I had a good skill set of con- you know connecting with people and they said why don't you join the crisis team and I did and they took me in and I've been doing it for 12 years and now became you know became the crisis coordinator and now and then also becoming part of peer support and trying to connect with my peers so I'm curious about why you took on the coordinator position and how is that different from being a member of the team well for the 19 years that I've been with the police department, I saw that uh, mental health was becoming more and more of a calls or the calls that we were going on. Um, so I started getting trained more and more into the crisis work, and there have been other coordinators before me that did just as good as my job. 
Um, and you know, we, we've had clinicians that, that come and ride with us and, um, and they help us out as well. And there was, um, one of, one of our coordinators, the most recent one was going to retire and someone approached me and said, you know, you'd be good at it. You'd really be good at it. And I took on the role and there's nothing been positive, um, feedback, you know, getting a schedule out for the, for the CIT officers, getting the clinician where he needs to be, you know, putting out the training and, and, and teaching people how to actually connect with people who are in crisis. When these officers or even you are in the field doing this crisis, um, would you call it intervention or just the crisis team? Uh, it, is a, it's a, it is a crisis intervention team. So um, we do get the calls will come into dispatch and they'll, it'll be, It'll be labeled as a crisis intervention call, uh, depending on what they say. And uh, if I hear the radio, if I see that it's maybe little, could be a little bit more than that, I'll respond with the clinician, and you know we'll we'll give a little feedback. It doesn't have to be you'll be a check well-being, you know, and that person who may go into crisis or who is in crisis can can talk to the clinician and can can be put in the, on the right path. Right, so you can you can actually handle it right there in the field uh, with a trained uh, mental health professional. Absolutely. to know you pretty well over time, Pete, um, and I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about your own struggles. I know that David mentioned it in the introduction, but I can't help but wonder if taking on the crisis team is part of your post-traumatic growth period. Um, as yeah, as many people know who are very, very close to me, uh, I am in recovery from alcoholism. Um, the part of doing crisis is, you know... I think my alcoholism or the disease that I that I own to myself and that I work on, um, I think that helps me through the crisis, being a coordinator, being on the crisis intervention team. Um, it helps me to connect with people. Um, I don't really speak of my story, um, but I know I kind of feel for them what they're going through. Um, and you know, I had a long time of struggles with alcoholism, um, and you know got on the right path with, with a lot of support. So just to talk a little bit about that, um, what keeps you grounded in your work? Because your work is very intense. So what allows you to be grounded in your recovery work? Well, my to go back a little bit when I with the alcoholism, my structure throughout the day was different than it is now. Um, you know, you would deal with the calls at work, going into work and, you know, well, whether it be the politics of, of the job or just, you know, the job itself is stressful itself. And, and it's gotten, I believe it's gotten worse. But, you know, the things that keep me grounded was a change in structure. Um, it was a change in structure, was building a support group, um, 
being close to people who supported me, who understood my uh, my path, the way I was going to, um, and that they were there to support me. You know, it's it's something that I needed to change in my life because the path I was going down, I don't believe I was going to finish 25 years. Um, the path I'm on now is awesome, um, and I thank that to the, to the new structure that I have. Um, I thank that to, you know, people like Bonnie here and, and Stacey Raymond, my therapist, and, you know, Respond to Wellness Inc., and the, my peers at work coming out of a rehab and the open arms and support that I got from my peers was phenomenal. Um, you know, people were like, we knew you can do it. Kids stay on the path. They still check on me. I mean, it's a great feeling. Um, and, you know, and that's, and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, but I went to rehab twice. The second time was it, was the, was the spark, was the light. Um, the light bulb went on. I, I, I created like I said, a new structure, you know, a new support group. And I took it very seriously because I want to live my life, you know, and that's important to me. And I want to be there for the people who are there for me. Um, you know, my family is a huge support as well. Um, even though they're back in New York um, and I have friends still in New York and they know, they know my recovery. Um, they're, they're there to support me. They, you know, check on me once, once in a while and say, Hey, how you doing? You know, it's it's different now from somebody asking me, hey, how are you doing? A couple of years ago, because they want to know if I was drinking. Right. Um, or are you hungover? Are you 100% at work? Now they're asking me, hey, how are you doing? How's, you know, you look great. You know, what are you doing? Now, now the questions are coming out. How did, how did you do it? Um, and, I you know, and I, I like to share that with my peers. Um. You touched on something, and I, I think we've talked about this on another episode, where responders looking for a therapist, they may want to make sure that therapist has experience working with first responders for it to be the most effective experience. Pete, in your journey, um, how did you find it was important to seek help and support with alcohol with people who understand the culture of the police department and, and you know where your, what your life is like? Well, you know, I I was in denial for a long time. People would tell me, hey, you drink too much. You know, you're doing this too much. Um, you need to speak to somebody. Um, I was in the old school mainframe where, you know, you don't go and do that. You're you're a first responder. You're stronger than that. You know, um, don't don't say anything. Keep it to yourself. Um, you know, and, and that's and that's the way that's. That's pretty much the way I was brought up, too. Um, if there was nothing positive to say, don't say it. So you weren't walking around saying, you know, hey, I'm an alcoholic, you know, I need help. You wouldn't do that. Right. Um, now, um, like I said, I was in rehab twice. The first time I called on myself, I thought that was it. Um, you know, I was with my son, and he's, even my son said, make the call. And I made the call, and I went away. Um but that structure at that rehab wasn't what I needed. You know, my sergeant, um, Sergeant Kempinski, came to my house, and he was he was awesome. You know, he got to me where I needed to be, but it wasn't the right place. Um, there was one first responder there, and then within two weeks he was gone because he did his time. Um, 
you know, the second time around, I came back, I said, yeah, I got this. And, you know, and that's probably the worst thing you can say. I got this, you know, and I didn't do AA. I didn't do, um, you know, I had, a, I had a therapist, um, you know, I, I didn't take it very seriously. So the second time I go in, you know, I walked in saying, I'm going to, I'm doing this the right way. And the, when I, as soon as I walked in, I sat at a table. And at that table are all the first responders. And that's what I needed. I needed that family. I needed that structure. I needed to. Our stories are the same. Just a different department. Um, it's it, we, we basically told the same story. We're like, yeah, you did that too? You know? And that unity that I had in rehab just, like, drove me. You know, get up in the morning, go to the gym start eating healthy, um, doing the exercises, going to the classes, asking the questions, how do I do this? How do I become better? Um, it's okay to ask for help. You know, that was a big thing because, you know, I need help with this. This is what I need to talk about. You know, talk, you talk about therapists. I, I've gone through, before I made, met Dr. Stacy Raymond, um, I went through uh, probably about four or five different therapists. And, you know, they tried but they didn't understand first responders. You know, Dr. Stacey Raymond does, and, and she has a background in it. And we connected, and that's what I needed. That was a part of the puzzle that I needed. I unloaded 32 years of emotion. This job isn't a joke, and it can hurt you. How does yoga or meditation help with that? Coming to terms with who you are. You know, nobody calls us because they're having a good day. It's really the suicide that becomes a huge issue. People are more trustworthy with the dog. Sleep deprivation helps them either be better or worse. Completely secretive when we started this. So it's pretty much taboo. Take care of the people next to you. First responders really being open about what they're struggling with. If we know that, let's raise awareness. Brings you together to talk about it. And it tells you you're not alone. You know, listening to you talk, I, it just sounds like peer support has been so monumental for you. And I would guess that would be the same for first responders everywhere. To be with your brothers and sisters, sharing a struggle, sharing what works for you, I think is so important. Can you talk a little bit about peer support, how this better suits you to be a peer support model, and how that works for you? You know... It, 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 Bonnie, it's funny how you say peer support and how I got, how I became part of it. Um, I think my my struggles in the past and my the education that I have now, and I'm, and I'm not listen, I'm not the the guru of my disease. I'm still learning about my disease because I I want to keep that disease behind me because I know at any time that disease can come up and just take over. Um, what I've learned and what I do. I'm there for my, my peers at, at work. I'm, I'm there for anybody, any first responder that wants to come and talk to me or pick up the phone or send me an email, um, and I can tell them how I did it. Because something I did could help you, and that's why I became part of peer support. Um, peer support is much needed now because the, the job of being a first responder has changed dramatically. Um, there's a lot more stress on the job. I mean, you talk about stressors. Um, you know, life 
life incidents that you see as a civilian, you may see one to three, right? Yeah. And then yeah. we see numerous. What are, what's the number? 800, right? It's probably more than that. More than that. Um, but being part of peer support for Danbury Police Department, you know, I don't, I don't care what it is that you're having problems with. You just, just sitting down and talking to somebody else outside those four walls. Um, meet, meet me for a cup of coffee. Come to my house. You know, meet me. Go for a walk or something. Just, just to talk about it. Um, it, it, it'll help. You know, and we can work on something else. You want to talk to me outside of peer support and not a peer support as a friend, as you know, as as a person. I can do that too. Um, you know, they being in peer support is they. I said this to, uh, the other night at a meeting. I became part of peer support because somebody said to me, "Hey, people do understand what you went through, but they don't know the whole story. But you'll be good to help them." And I said, "Absolutely." And I want to give back to those peers because of what they did for me when I was away, twice. Um, you know, so I want to give back to them. And you certainly do that um, in your department, but also outside. Could you talk about the group that you started in the last year? So in, when I came out of rehab in 2020, um, you know, been sober ever since, been going to my meetings and, and going to peer-to-peer on that you, you guys have, you know, on Fridays. Um, I just, you know, it came to light that I was traveling to North Haven a lot to an AA meeting. Now, in the beginning, AA meetings were, like, taboo to me. I was like, no, nah, I don't need to go there. I don't need to talk about the, you know, my lawnmower broke and then I drank or this, or I got yelled at and I drank and this. I, I, needed, I needed that first responder family again. Um, and I did my research on AA groups and first responders, and North Haven was up there. And actually, Dr. Stacey Raymond turned me on to it as soon as I came out, reached out um, to the guy who's in charge of it in North Haven, and he he took me in open arms. I mean, I still go there. I still go on Zoom with them, and they've been great. And um, I just felt that something needed to be close by. So uh, along with um, other first responders, we created one in Danbury. Uh, it's called Line of Duty. And uh, we've been going, listen, it's a small group, but a small group starts and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. And, and we're there. You know, we do it Sunday mornings at 830 in Danbury. Um, and it's been great. You know, that, that just having that support and that family is, is what was needed. And someone who may be um, part of that group who's interested in the meeting, how can they find out about it? Uh, it is posted on the AA websites um, or they can email me. Um, and, you know, I can give them the dates and, you know, the times and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's every Sunday at 830. Um, can, like I said, they can have my contact and they can, it's, like I said, it's, it's, everything's confidential. You know, the location's confidential. It's just between first responders. Um, and it's actually for veterans as well. So it's, uh. It's it's really it's really close and it's and that helps. Great. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back speaking with Pete Elstie right after this. 
Our mission at Responder Wellness, Inc. is to subsidize or provide free of charge safety equipment and wellness services to first responders, including police officers, firefighters, EMS personnel, and 911 operators throughout Connecticut. Resources include scholarships to train new EMTs, a responder and veteran-only AA group in Danbury, Connecticut, as well as police vests, a fire and EMS boot program, yoga classes, gym memberships, and t-shirts. The founder of Responder Wellness, Inc. co-leads a peer support group sponsored by Fairfield County Trauma Response Team. Responder Wellness, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3. Find us on the web at responderwellness.org, on Facebook at Responder Wellness, Inc., or email us, responderwellness at gmail.com. Responder Wellness, Inc., putting responders first. Welcome back. My co-host, Bonnie Rumley and I are speaking with Peter Elstie from Danbury PD. Um, Pete, let's just pick up where we were speaking about your journey to sobriety. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that have worked and maybe some of the things that haven't worked that you found? Um, the couple of things, the things that have worked is me being open about it. Um, one thing I, I do that does help me is I do talk to people about it and, uh, you know, I'll, with my peers, I'll, you know, I'll joke around with it and, you know, I'll bring it up and, and I have no problem sharing with people. Um, you, you know, I'm, my structure has changed. Um, you know, I got back in the gym. I got back into cooking healthy, doing meal prepping. Um, you know, there was, I don't let the job, when I leave the job, I leave the job. When I walk out the door for the, after eight hours, 16 hours, that's how I leave it. Um, and, and I've learned to do that. Um, I've learned that I can ask, go back and ask for help if I'm struggling. I have a sponsor. I have a sponsor who is actually my trainer, so he keeps tabs on me. I have a very close friend that keeps tabs on me. Uh, we speak every almost every day. Um, and, you know, I have the peer-to-peer on Fridays. I have my AA groups. These are the things that, that, I, that work for me. Um, being on, in a different structure than, you know, what didn't really work was letting the job get to me, the stresses of the job, like the politics of the job or the overtime or maybe too much overtime, the lack of sleep. I watch my health now. Um, you know, I, I think about, you know, if I was, I always think about if I was still going down that path of alcohol, how would I feel today? And I ask myself that. And when I wake up in the morning, I, I always say, I feel great. You know, I go through my, my routine. Um, I also have a canine now. He's a service dog. Um, he keeps me well-grounded, keeps me busy. Um, and that, and I can thank Much Mending Mankind for that. Um, and, you know, they've done a great job with veterans and first responders. Um, you know, when I see that, when I see you know, his name's Kaiser, so when I see Kaiser, when I said, I come walk through the door, his tail's wagging, he's jumping on me. There's nothing better than that, you know? It's it's like, what? I worked eight hours and I did what? You know, you forget about it. Um, I also keep keep in contact with my friends, uh, my friends who, 
who understand what what I'm going through, uh, and they're there to support me. You know, it's yeah, it, you, you got to change things in your in your life to to move on. It's got to be in a positive way, even if, even the littlest things. I mean, I'm not a, a big book reader, um, but people say, "Well, I need to start reading books again." Well, then go ahead, fill in that void. My my problem, um, David was, and Bonnie knows this, um, was work, and then come home and be isolated. So I would think about, well, if I'm going to be home and I'm cooking. Why not have a drink? Well, that drink led to one, to two, to three, you know. Um, and, you know, the other thing that really, when you talk about things that work for you, is it's definitely speaking to somebody, you know, the therapists and stuff like that. you got to have one you connect with. Um, you know, I do check-in with Dr. Stacey Raymond all the time. Hey, I need to check in. Okay, do a little check-in, you know, maybe a little EMDR, um, you know, because it's not only the alcohol that I had a problem. I had some childhood trauma, um, you know, and I have, tra- I have traumas from the job, from, you know, NYPD was 9-11, you know, being shot at twice, being, you know, there's just different calls that you go on. Could You know, the littlest call could be a car accident that, you, you know, children were hurting, not severely, but, you know, when you have children, you know, my kids are older now, but I still, I love them very much. Some Something may, you know, may trigger a trauma. And then, you know, I, I'll have to do a check-in, you know, and uh, I'll do buddy checks on people and uh, I'll, ch- I'll check on these people, you know, that, you know, hey, how did that work for you? I mean, I talked to Stacy Raymond about one, um, you know, I, I, I talked about it on Peer to Peer. We had, I, I was on the back end of a, four to two, of a double 16-hour shift and it was like an hour left in the shift and boom, head-on collision, we get this and we had to pull a guy out and do CPR, but he didn't make it. I mean, me and my, me and another guy from Danbury were doing CPR, and that's that's trauma, you know. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's definitely you have to do you have to do a self check. We talk about situational awareness, you know, when we're out there doing the job, but it sounds like that's what you're doing on a personal level as well, being very situationally aware of what's going on. Yeah. I think that the place you've gotten to now, it's you're not putting out fires within yourself. You're you're in a phase where you're preventative. And you're saying, okay, I'm checking in with myself. I've had a rough day or I had this rough situation and I know that I need to check in about it and be proactive so that it doesn't pile up and become a bigger problem for you later. And I think the other thing as a therapist to sitting here listening to Pete talk about what's happened in his life is it speaks to the importance of having multi factors in recovery. There isn't one magic thing that happens to make people better. You know, and I think a lot of people are waiting for that magic bullet, whether it's, you know, this perfect therapist who's going to fix it all or this perfect medication they're going to try that'll fix it all. But the reality of it, and Pete is a living example of this is it is a multi-pronged approach. You know, you need a therapist, you need, Peer support. I think peer support is grossly underused, in, just in the general population, um, let alone in the first responder realm. So I think that what Pete does really embodies doing a multitude of things to keep yourself physically and mentally healthy. There's no one thing. So if that's something that I would love our viewers to really recognize is that there are many things that are going to help you get better, not one. 
Um, and I think that Pete's story shows a story of resilience. You know, he's been able to go through those struggles, be on the other side, and now help his peers and really be a model for his peers. And that's a feat. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I could tell everybody is, um, you know, everybody has demons. Everybody has struggles. Um, you know, you need to check. You need to check up on yourself. You know, and it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. Um, do it. You do it on your own. When people, you know, when people check it, check in on you and say how you doing, tell them. You know, let it out. You know, take take the 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. Um, you know, or check in with your therapist. And find the right one. Do the research on it. You know, it's you can't let it. I know there's so many examples of, you know, the boiling pot and it overflows and you know the tea kettle that bursts out and stuff like that. You're holding everything in. Um, you got to let it out. You know, you got to do different events. Um, something in your life that makes you happy. You know, that makes you happy. You know, it doesn't have to make somebody else happy. It's like, you know, I'm I'm going to go for a walk today for two miles with, with my kid, with, with Kaiser. That makes me happy. Why? Because it makes him tired, and then I get to do what I want. <laughs> but no, it's it definitely it definitely a self check, and 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 definitely you got to ask for it. You know, whatever help it is. Do you think the stigma is is going away a little bit in terms of asking for help, mental help, or you know, peer support, or any of those things? You know, 21 years on the job, I never thought, to be honest with you, I never thought I'd do 20, 20, I should be retired by now if I stayed at NYPD, which my my partner in New York, you know, in uh, October texted me, he's beginning of October, he goes, hey, we just had our 21st anniversary, you know, our anniversary, we could have been retired, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, if I stayed there, you know, where could I have gone and stuff, but yeah, I remember, you know, it was an old school um first responder thing that you never ask or you never tell. You never ask for help because you're always afraid of being put on the bench in a sports sense, um, you know, being put behind the desk or taking your badge and your gun. You know, there's, there's, there's support out there that you can ask for that, you know, you can still do your job. You know, it, it's out there. You just have to, you have to ask the right person. I have one more question for you. If you were to, let's say you went into a police academy today, into the new recruits and their training, what would you want them to know about mental health and about everything we just talked about? What, what would your message be to those new people going out there in the world? Um, one, definitely keep yourself healthy for, for mental health reasons. Um, and, you know, it, it's... Again, we'll go back to the asking for help when needed. I don't care if you have 30 days on the job, something could trigger you, like, oh, I don't, I'm not comfortable with this. You need to talk about it. Um, you know, reach out to your, to your peers. If you have a peer support in your department, reach out to them because they're the ones that have the resources or the lists or, or some, some sort of door that they can open up where you have to take that first step, um, you know, I would tell them the job is not bad, you know. Don't get caught up in in the negativity of it. Yes, there is is on both sides positive and negative stuff, um, but you still got a job to do. 
Um, do I love my job? You know, now I, I like it even more. Um, in the past, when when I was, you know, in that in that stage, um, I was salty. You know, I still get a little salty sometimes. You know, but I do a check in, and you know, I go back to where where I should be. Um, you know, so but you know, talking to those young guys, young guys is you know, make time for yourself, make time for your family. Don't let the job consume you. You know, you talk about overtime a lot. We were talking about it earlier, um, 16 hours a day for four days straight, you know, make time for the family. That's where you, you know, and give yourself like when you get home, like maybe 30 minutes to decompress and, and, and then you can be a family again or be with your significant other or, you know, be, I don't want to say be human or normal again because um, one thing I learned in rehab, we were strangely insane. Um, and, 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 you know, you got you to gotta come back. You got to bring yourself back. Right. These, these are all great tips, I think, for avoiding burnout and maintaining a, a healthy career, which you've obviously done. Um, there any other tips you have for people in terms of burnout? Um, I know I know in a lot. I talk to a lot of other first responders and, you know, it's the job itself can be overwhelming. Uh, can be stressful at times, and you know, we chase we chase the money because of the overtime. Um, but you you definitely have to, again you definitely have to make time for yourself. You definitely do. Um, do something that you like. Whether I, listen, I met a guy in rehab. He loves he loves Bob Ross. Loves to paint. You know, and he sends me pictures all the time. He's retired from uh, New York City Fire Department. He's in Florida. He invites me down all the time. And he's out on his porch painting. He's got a canvas and everything. Do something you like. You know, you got to, You have to definitely take care of yourself. Um, you know, and and just you know enjoy it. You know, you can't you can't burn out. You know, um, that extra shift is it really worth it? Are you a hundred percent the next day? Are you a hundred percent when you get home? You know, you definitely you definitely it's a, on, a, on the health wise. You definitely have to take care of yourself. I can say this as a friend, as a peer, as a leader of the group. Um, you're an inspiration, you know, and I hope that people listening today see what's possible for themselves and the people around them because uh, you're the example. Well done. Thank you. Kudos, Pete. How can people find you out there if they need to get in touch? Um, it's when you see it on your screen, PLCP. You know, ELSD at Danbury you know, dash ct.gov, call down to the Danbury Police Department, um, you know, ask to leave me a message and, you know, it'll get to my voicemail and uh, I'll reach out to you as soon as I get it. Sounds good. Bonnie, Pete, thank you so much for being here on this episode. Um, I think it's vital information we're talking about and thank you for being so willing to be open and honest and share your story, your journey, and your your success. Thank Thanks. you, David. Thank you, David. We invite you to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Responder Resilience. We're also on Facebook, Responder Wellness Inc., UPSRadio.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website is RespondertV.com.